0: For what he's done in this place today, if you'll go with us to the Book of Luke, chapter number five, Luke chapter number five, and I do ask you to pray for my throat. I've had something; uh, it's not it's not due to preaching because preaching don't help it none. But uh, it's just due probably to this type of year and the weather and uh, hot and the cold. But I do need your prayers that God would touch it and that it would get better. Seem like it'll get better for a day or two and then just comes back. So. Uh, Do pray. I'm not following Benny Hinn. Somebody say amen. That's not why I'm using this microphone. Amen. And uh, I'm using it just because it's a little bit easier on the throat uh, than a lapel. So you pray with us and for us. uh, If you're able to stand, I want to read one verse of Scripture out of Luke chapter number 5. And then bring the message. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 16. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help us these next few moments. Thank you for the good singing. Thank you for the offering. Thank you for the special offering for your people, Lord, that has sacrificially given tonight. I pray that you'll bless both the gift and the giver. Bless the conference that's coming up. May thy will be done, but we ask you now to speak to us and through us, and may you get glory and honor, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, i amazed when you read one verse of Scripture sometimes how that God can say so much and so little. God doesn't need a chapter, and I'm glad He's got chapters. And he doesn't need a book, and I'm glad He's got books. But just one verse, one jot, one tittle, He can speak to our heart. When I think about this verse, I was reading it one day in my Bible reading time and I come to it and it always seemed to make me pause when I would read that verse and it just seemed like it caught my attention. And I think it's it's interesting in this verse uh, because of the person. The Bible says "And he, talking about Jesus, withdrew himself. And we know the person in this verse is the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about Jesus in this verse at this point in his life. You see, his fame is growing if you go back. Back to verse 15, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. His fame is growing. his followers are growing multitudes, great multitudes have come together to hear him and Jesus's future is growing. So at a time in verse number uh, verse number 16, things are really going good in the life of Christ. things could not be better from an earthly standpoint. He is famous. Uh, uh, People are following him. You know, in a day when people are so caught up in followers and they want people to follow them, Jesus had more followers than anybody. Amen. He had great multitudes were, were following after him in verse number 15. So I think this verse is interesting because of the person. And then I think it's also interesting because of the privacy. The Bible said that he withdrew himself. You see, Jesus knew how to withdraw himself. A lot of people don't know how to do that in this day and time. You know in fact the Bible said in the book of Proverbs to withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house lest thou weary him. You know what that means in plain old Georgia language? Don't stay over at somebody's house until you wear your welcome out. Amen? Don't be in everybody's hip pocket all the time. You've got to know how to withdraw yourself and Jesus knew how to withdraw himself. This verse teaches us that it's not only good to withdraw ourselves. at times but it's biblical to do so as much as our savior saw the need you and I should see it that much more Jesus withdrew himself from men in verse 15 he withdrew himself from miracles in verse 15 he had performed a lot of miracles but now there's a time for him to stop performing miracles and he withdrew himself from ministry you see there were still more people that needed to be healed and there was still more people that needed to be helped but Jesus realized that he could not let even the demands of ministry uh, take him away from withdrawing himself for such a great purpose. And so we see the purpose, or we see the person, and we see the privacy. But notice the place. The Bible says here in verse number 16 that he withdrew himself into the wilderness. Now you think about the wilderness tonight. When we think about the wilderness, that's a remote place, isn't it? It's a place where not everybody is willing to go. It is a rugged place. The wilderness uh, here in this text, it represents a place where others would not even want to go. And Jesus leaves the multitude. He leaves leaves the the good place and he goes to a remote place and he goes to a rugged place and and then it is a related place because if you read in the scriptures, John the Baptist spent his whole life in the wilderness. Amen. Uh, Christ was tempted in the wilderness and Moses was led through the wilderness as he led the people of God and Joshua brought them out of the wilderness you say brother Grantley what are you saying I'm saying God does a whole lot in the wilderness amen and Jesus knew that there was an important importance in being in remote places. And, and sometimes we ought to be like the songwriter. When he said, there are days I'd I like to be all alone with Christ my Lord. There's times when you and I as Christians, we need to withdraw ourselves. And I see the person and I see the privacy and I see the place. But I want you to notice in this verse the purpose. Why did Jesus withdraw himself To the wilderness. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and he prayed. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on a wilderness prayer because when Jesus goes to the wilderness, He had a purpose in mind, a a specific purpose he had in mind. It was a spiritual purpose. He he was going there to meet with God. And I think it was a systematic purpose. I I don't think this was the first time, and I don't think it was the last time that Jesus went to the wilderness. He was no stranger to remote places. He he was no stranger to rugged places. And and thank God, the rugged places of life uh, uh, conditioned him for the most rugged place he would ever go to in life, uh, and that was Calvary amen and when Jesus got to Calvary he had seven sayings of the cross uh, but three of those seven sayings were prayers amen and it tells me that Jesus knew long before he ever got to Calvary he knew how to take a rugged place Uh, he knew how to take a remote place Uh, he knew how to take a place and turn it into prayer you know why because that place on that hill far away my friend was a related place Uh, he was ready for the cross from the time that he came into this world Uh, Calvary was no accident calvary was no afterthought calvary wasn't something that just slipped up on jesus i'm telling you jesus knew what calvary was he came to do the father's will amen and christ found himself in the wilderness praying amen prayed in the desert he prayed in the garden he prayed on the mount of transfiguration but here jesus is in a wilderness prayer he withdrew himself from this world he withdrew himself to the wilderness but he withdrew himself for worship you know what prayer is tonight it's more than asking but it's worship Prayer is, is where we learn to, to really worship God. I know we come to church and, and we worship God, but I want to say tonight that this shouldn't be the only place we worship, amen? It shouldn't just be Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, but I'll tell you, you and I, we need a remote place, amen? We need a related place. Uh, uh, we need a place uh, where no one else is willing to go. We need a place where others would not uh, go to, that it's our place and his place, and, and Jesus found that in the wilderness. And I want to say tonight that sometimes uh, we even find ourselves in wilderness experiences in life. Uh, We find ourselves in places where we feel like we can't go forward and we're not going backwards. Uh, We just feel like we're not doing anything. We just feel like nobody knows where we're at or nobody understands what we're going through. Do you realize that's a divine place in life that God, it brings us all to. It's providential that we must have those places in life. Why? Because it's there in those wilderness places that we learn. Learn how to pray. If everything in life was sunshine and no shadows, we'd never pray. And I read this verse one day and I thought, Jesus is going to the wilderness to pray. And, and I don't know, uh, God's mind is so much greater than mine and He had us a greater purpose than what I would have in mind. But I just asked myself this question Why, in the midst of, of all these things happening and all these people getting help, why would Jesus take time to just stop and call time out and go to a wilderness alone and pray? Why would He do that? I think, number one, tonight it would be because of the success of his ministry. In verse number 15, great things are happening. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And a great multitude came together to hear and to be healed of him, of their infirmities. You realize Jesus' his fame, I, I listen, he desired no recognition. He desired no reputation. He desired no reward, amen? He was not there for a compliment. He was not there for a crowd. He was not there for a crown. He was there for a cross, amen? And his goal was to avoid anything that put the spotlight on himself. And can I say tonight as Christians, we ought to be the same way. We ought to not be glorious seekers, amen, we ought not to do something for a title or for a trophy or to be recognized, uh, the Bible says and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men amen, Colossians 3 and verse 23 whatever we do, we're to do it for the glory of God, and that doesn't matter people don't need to see, and people don't have to recognize what we're doing we're to serve God, and we're to bring glory and honor to his name, not to our name, and Jesus in this place uh, when his fame was at an all time high, when followers was followed following. following him by the groves. He found a place to get along and pray because of the success of his ministry. Success in the ministry of Christ was not about attention. It was not about accomplishments. It was not about his ability I say that tonight because too many times I think the Holy Spirit is grieved in our in our churches because, and I believe in giving honor where honor is due, and it's all right, the Bible says to let another man praise thee, amen. I think it's all right to, to get up and to recognize uh, uh, those who have given service and those who have been faithful, and it teaches others to honor uh, those that have been faithful, and we should do that. In a day when people disrespect, we ought to teach respect and teach honor, but the sin comes when we desire recognition, when we desire a reputation, when we feel like we're entitled to some reward. Uh, Listen, you and I have to remember that our only success in the ministry is what glorifies God, not what recognizes us. Amen. You know, at the end of the day, any plaques, I'm not against this, don't misunderstand me, but any plaques, any degrees, any titles on the wall, they're not going to matter in the end. They're not going to the judgment seat with us. Is that right? We're not going to stand at the judgment seat now, Lord. Let me show you my doctorate degree. Well, Lord, I let me show you my trophies. That I, no, we're, they're not. I'm going to tell you something. God's keeping a different record. He knows everything. You see, the, the purpose of the judgment seat is to give us our reward for service. The fire is going to try every man's work of what sort it is. So it's not just that I'm preaching tonight, but God is more interested in the motive of this message that I'm preaching, not the act of service. Uh, he's not going to reward me based on the altar call. He's not going to reward me based on the pats of the back or the, or the handshakes at the door. We give those things to encourage one another but may I say to you tonight God keeps a different record He knows the intents of our heart tonight when we sing a song when we preach a sermon anything we do God knows why we did it Amen That's why Jesus said don't let the left hand know what the right hand doeth Prayer accomplished this for Jesus and it will for us tonight You know what the prayer closet will do? It'll keep us small The prayer closet will keep us where we need to be at. Withdrawing from people, withdrawing from society. I'm not talking about isolation. Our Savior did not teach that, but he withdrew himself because of the success of ministry. And then I think he withdrew himself because of the service of his ministry. I mean, if you go back and read this chapter and the chapter before it, Christ has been busy ministering in Galilee and in Capernaum, and uh, he's been performing miracles and preaching to great crowds, and he's been operating through the power of the Spirit uh, rather than his own ability. And he sees the importance now after operating some time in chapter four and chapter five. He sees the importance that he must go pray, he must withdraw because what he's doing, he's not doing it in the energy of his flesh, but he's doing it through the power of the Spirit. And it couldn't be all about working for God. And it couldn't be all about witnessing for God. And it couldn't be all about winning others to God. Jesus knew that he would have to withdraw himself because real power for service comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's not charismatic. That's automatic. Amen. I'm telling you, that's what our Savior taught us in Matthew chapter 3 when he was baptized and the Spirit of God came upon him. Then in chapter 4 and verse 1, he said, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil everything Jesus did he didn't do it in his own strength and power but he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit how do we get that power tonight through prayer singing without praying is just beautiful melody talent is wonderful but we gotta have a touch preaching is homiletically and hermeneutically it may all be structured and it may all be in line and it might even have a smooth delivery but it'll never bring any lasting results it'll never reach out and get a hold of somebody in the pew it'll only be dead orthodoxy if it's not bathed in prayer I'm telling you God can take one statement and do something eternal in somebody's life more than a thousand sermons I could ever preach or any other preacher could ever preach uh, because it's not our capability it's God's ability working through us uh, and all we can be at the end of the day it's channels that he can work through but he can't work through as if we don't pray if you're a Sunday school teacher study hard but pray much there's no substitute for prayer book learning and studying and getting it all together and getting all sound doctrine all that has to be done give yourself to study but David said in the book of Psalms but I'll give myself to prayer We must pray. I'm telling you, when it comes to witnessing to a sinner, we must pray. Amen. With that person you work around that needs God, you must spend time in prayer. Why did Jesus go to the wilderness to pray? Because of his success in ministry. Because of his service in ministry. And then I think he went to the wilderness to pray because of the struggles of his ministry. Did Jesus have struggles in ministry? All you have to do is read the next verse. Verse 17 says, It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, notice this, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. What about that? I read that one day and I thought, Man, I don't feel so bad because I preached to some crowds in some places. I thought they, they looked at me like, I mean, you know, I had two heads. They looked at me like two or three of y'all looking at me right now like, boy, it's hot in here and I wished he'd hurry up so we could go home. Hey, you're done soaking wet and I'm soaking wet. You might as well just sit back and enjoy it. Can I tell you, if you sweat long enough, here's what happens. I know it from preaching. You start out real hot, but once you get so wet, you start cooling down. Amen. So if you'll perspire enough, amen, you'll start feeling good here in a few minutes. So I'm just helping you. Amen. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, uh, he had struggles in the ministry. He had Pharisees. He had doctors of the law. Can I tell you something about this crowd in verse number 17? Hey, this crowd here, they didn't come to help him. They came to observe. They came to oppose. Uh, they came to offend. End. Uh, this crowd thought they were more spiritual than Jesus they, they thought they were more successful than Jesus uh, there's always going to be a crowd uh, that's just going to sit by and stare I first started preaching Well, we only had 25 people in that, fir- that first church I pastor a little block building and you get somebody like that staring at you I mean it used to tear my nerves up and now I look forward to it I mean, uh, you might be here, and I don't think that nobody is, but if there was somebody here tonight, say, you know, I mean, it wouldn't matter if you stuck your tongue out at me tonight. I mean, it would matter, but I want you to know, it ain't going to make me stop preaching. In fact, you know, at least when somebody frowns, you know you know who you're hitting, amen. I tell people, I say, when well, a preacher's up preaching, you don't agree with something, best thing to do is go ahead and smile and nod your head. If you ever let him know, it's just like, it, you know, it's kind of like this. It's like if that young man let me know he didn't appreciate what I said, I mean, just without thinking about it. I'm getting drawn to this guy right here, you know. I'm getting drawn if I think you don't like I mean, I'm just going to stay right there and preach a little bit more. That's just the way it is. It's awful quiet in here right now, ain't it? I feel like I'm in a wilderness. <laughs> no, I'm saying tonight, Jesus... Even he had a crowd that opposed him. You know, if you live for God, ye and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, we've not suffered persecution like they have in other parts of this world. But we suffer. Listen, people are going to say things. People are going to mock. People are going to make fun. And we have to be willing to put up with that. We have to be willing to to take that. How can you overcome that? How can you not lose your temper? How can you not fly off the handle? How can you be a witness to them when they're being an aggravation to you? I'll tell you how you do that. You spend time in prayer because there's struggles in ministry. Lord, help us tonight. Help me tonight not to complain. Help me tonight to not feel sorry for myself. Help me tonight not to feel get, to feel like I got the Elijah syndrome, that I'm the only one. Help me, Lord, not, to, not to, to be a downer. Help me to realize that greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And that no matter what I face, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. As Paul said, he said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, Paul sitting in prison said rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice uh, in prison. Paul said, "I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content." In prison, Paul said, "This I can do all things through Christ uh, which strengtheneth me." In prison, Paul said, "But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory." Paul knew how to be an encourager. At midnight in prison, Paul and Silas sang praises unto God and they prayed. How did that happen? They spent time in prayer tonight. So important that we have a prayer life. The struggles of his ministry is why he withdrew himself. The service of his ministry, the success of his ministry, and then I think because of the strength of his ministry. Look at verse 17. It's an amazing statement. The Bible says here at the latter part of verse number 17, these doctors and lawyers, they're sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Notice this. And the power of the Lord... Was present to heal them. Where did Jesus find his strength? He found it in verse 16 in the wilderness. He had great strength in verse 17 because in verse 16 he withdrew himself. The Spirit had led him into the wilderness, the scriptures had been used by Jesus in the wilderness the serpent had been defeated by Christ in the wilderness the angels had ministered to Jesus in the wilderness if Jesus knew anything about the wilderness he knew the wilderness was a good place to get along with God and spend time when God in prayer hey your wilderness I'm not talking about going out here and just walking out in the woods and I'm not against you doing that and building your rock altar I'm not against that tonight but I'm telling you your wilderness place might be your back bedroom somewhere with the door closed your wilderness wilderness place Might be the bathroom, it may be your garage Uh, It may be a place out back somewhere I don't know where your place is But find you a remote place Uh, Find you a place where no one would go to Make it a related place Make it a place you go to frequently And spend time alone with God Because I promise you all the strength That you and I will ever need to serve God It will come through that private place of prayer Withdraw yourself daily Directly Be disciplined in our prayer life. Spend time with God. Power was on his ministry in verse number 17. The power of the Lord was present. Why? Because Jesus withdrew himself. And I wonder tonight as they get us a song ready. I ask you a personal question. You don't have to raise your hand. A question that nobody but you and God knows tonight. How's your prayer life? How is it tonight? I I don't expect you to tell me. I wouldn't tell you. My prayer life's never worth bragging about. In fact, spirit-filled people never talk about their prayer life, really. You hear somebody bragging about how they pray, mark it down. They don't pray too much. I'm not talking about somebody coming up. Brother Lanny's come up and said, I was praying for you. I appreciate that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody talking about how much they pray. And we'll tell you something tonight. It's not always the length. It's the desperation. It's not always the amount. It's the attitude of the heart. Spending time with God. Oh, I tell you, an hour alone with God, oh, that would be wonderful. But an hour just spent to say you prayed an hour is a vain hour. And then there's been those other times where I didn't have an hour. But in desperation, I said, Lord, I need your help. And God helped, didn't he? Peter didn't have an hour when he was out on that water in the middle of the night. He couldn't pray a pretty prayer. He said, Lord, help me. Three little words, and God did. And I'm telling you tonight, don't you let the devil talk you out of a place of prayer. I'll tell you how he'll do that. He'll either tell you you don't have time, he'll tell you you're too sorry of a Christian, or he'll tell you how much you failed in prayer and there ain't no point in praying. All three of those. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight. The devil might tell the truth, but he won't tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I want to say tonight prayer is not based on me, it's based on God. Most of the greatest prayers you ever read about in this Bible were not long prayers. Elijah called prayer down from heaven. What was it? 52 words? How many? 63 words? Called the fire God down from heaven. You know why? It was sincere. It was needed. Don't you think praying for your children tonight, you could be sincere? I think you can. I think you will. Don't you think it's needed? I think the greatest prayers. That God's ever heard us pray has been when we withdrew from everybody. And we just cried out to God. Oh Lord, help my children. God help my wife. Lord help my church. Oh Lord. I think that I think those are the greatest prayers we pray. Nobody hears them but God, but nobody ought to hear them but God. Those prayers, when it, you just come to them and you say, Lord, I'm a, I'm a failure. How many times I've told God I'm a failure? I could not remember. I am a failure tonight. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm praying to one that's never failed. Those times when I say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry that I'm sorry. Have you ever said that? I'm just sorry. Never been a day in my life I felt like I've prayed enough, read my Bible enough, no matter how much you do, either one, or witness to enough people. Tonight, it's not based on, on how much I do. It's just the sincerity of it tonight. As we stand, do you have a prayer life? I wouldn't shame you for any of it tonight. I know I don't, I don't, that's not my motive. I just I just want to encourage you. God wants to do so much in our lives. He just wants us to talk to Him about it. He wants us to ask. He wants us to just withdraw. Withdraw from some things in life. Don't let the burden of busyness steal that secret place with God. Just spend time with Him. Talk to Him. And as we sing tonight, if you need to come, you obey God.